0: All right, Jeff. We'll try this again, and um, I got a question. <laughs> I guess I, I got a question. I guess if I want to take you through, but I got a question for you. That, and uh, eh, we'll see what, how you handle it. You know. Yeah, I'll do the intro, so, and then I've got one quick question right. asking. about right. a holiday. Thank I had a holiday a few days ago. I didn't know Brother if you observed
1: it or not. I'll, I'll ask you here in a second. Holiday. Welcome, everyone, to the Fields Brother Show podcast. My name is Jeff Fields. I am here with my brother, and we are both uh, recovering pastors, as Roger would say, and thankful for that time in our life, but we've kind of gone into different areas since then, and we are coming to you from central Kentucky, beautiful this time of year, beautiful most of the year, and just enjoy getting together, talking about Jesus Christ and the grace in Christ. Grace is a person, Jesus Christ, and that is a never-ending discovery. So, yes, we had a holiday earlier a few days ago um amazon prime day and i read something about it oh yeah did do you do you observe amazon Prime no day? no I, I heard people tell me about it but well I just, it's good because i heard it was, you, you really shouldn't because it was started as a pagan holiday
0: you know? well, it was yeah well i guess it was amazon
1: yeah i would think yeah that's just kind of a yeah, joke the funny, way you know, yeah. you're not supposed yeah. to you know, yeah of course if you're, if you're not going to observe pagan holidays then you got to come up with your own days of the week i mean <laughs> you know, every day of the week—Sunday, Monday, Tuesday—I don't, don't, uh, don't know about the months, but every day yeah. of the week was named after a pagan god. That's so a great you need point, to come actually. up with different remember days. Remember that ahead.
0: during Christmas. So, we'll about
1: um, so anyway, that's all I have for that. So I will turn it over to you for your uh, earth-shattering, okay. uh, hard-hitting, whatever.
0: All right, you believe in the Scripture? You believe Scripture is inspired, right? I'm going to read a verse to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now this is in uh, Matthew 15. Um, the a woman came up to Jesus and said, "Who was had a daughter who was severely oppressed by a demon." Mm-hmm. And okay. Jesus didn't say anything to her. And his disciples said, came and begged him and said, "Send her away, or she's crying out after us." Said, Don't you love these? I t- mean, <laughs> they're always <laughs> aggravated about something, you know. And so he answered them, "Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. This is Jesus. I was sent only okay. to the there. lost sheep of the house of Israel." What? what yeah jesus was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of israel notice to the jews we're in big trouble all then. right let's, let's, <laughs> okay okay here's matthew 10 let me give you another one so this is where he sends out the uh, 12 at one point he says now go nowhere among the gentiles and enter no town of the samaritans but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of israel
1: Okay, you're actually going a different direction than what I thought you were going on the other one. So this, I'm, I'm glad you're going this direction, though.
0: All right. And then it, and there's several places like this. This is in John 8, where Jesus says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide my word, and what, we can talk about this scripture some other time, if you abide my word, you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But he said that to the Jews. So why was Jesus so focused on the Jews? And at that one point, he wasn't even going to help this girl that needed help with her daughter, this this mom.
1: Well, yeah, where I thought you were going, and I, and I would heard something on this, but I could remember why. You know, he refers to them. Heard you know about the dogs eat at the table. That's or the a whole other one. Well, yeah, yeah. and that yeah. was, and I heard well, that, someone that's kind also of the
0: well. If I'd have kept read, right. I kept reading yeah, first, Matthew fifteen. That's yeah. where I thought you were yeah, going yeah. with that. Okay, and I heard All
1: something right. pretty good on that a while back, but I don't remember what it was. So I don't know how to answer that part. But on this, you know, you know, the Jews had so much wrong about who God is, and you know, He came to. You know, show them what God is really like with that. I mean, that's not a very good answer, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I've not thought this through like, obviously, right. I assume you have on that, so maybe tell me this more what you're thinking through. than I can or I can
0: all right, let me give we you, you, a, off of you. All right, I'm going to tee up the different way here. I can't believe I use another golf analogy, but uh, okay. So this is, you know, and we talked about this before. Let's just jump back to Exodus, and I love this scripture. Exodus 19 so Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all the words of the Lord had commanded him, and all the people answered together and said, "All that the Lord has spoken, we will do." Now, that's pretty funny, but then the next verse, and Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. So Moses goes to God, he goes, we're all good. We're good, we're all in. Everybody's good, we're good here, okay? Now, so I'm, and I'm, I'm a, I have a new phrase that I believe nails and brings all this together, okay? Now, I said, I have a, a friend who put um, uh, this scripture on, it posed this scripture, okay? And he, and he meant this to be an encouragement, Okay. okay. Now, tell me if you're encouraged by this. This is out of Joshua chapter 1. Here it is. He says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law, which would be 613 rules, yeah. that, the Mo- that Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn to the left or the right, that you may have good success wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I mean, you gotta be talking to stuff all the time, and you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. Can I give you my short paraphrase? Yeah, that? I was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Don't blow it. Yeah, don't <laughs> blow. I mean, the holy moly, you gotta do everything. You can never turn to the left or the right, which means you gotta be on target all of the time. This got you. Got to be speaking this stuff all the time. You meditate on it day and night, day and night, and you have got to do everything's written is written in there. I so
1: we should have a video. So
0: now, so then, so then, um, and of course, we got that little that little um, uh, verse in James, which says, "Whoever fails to keep the whole uh, law, but or who keeps the whole law but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it." So, here is what I believe is the main, maybe arguably, one of the main um, challenges that Jesus faced and, and conquered and did when he came in his physical ministry uh, that's recorded in the Gospels. And here's my new phrase. The, the illusion of compliance. Okay. Now, the illusion of compliance means you really think you're doing okay. Yeah. I mean, I, when this, this guy that posted this, thinks, oh, I guess I'm doing this. Really. You think you're doing everything in the law. You don't turn the left to the right. It's in your mouth. You know, it's like the, the people thought they thought, okay, we can do this, and so when you, Jesus comes on the scene, and he goes, "I'm going right for the lost sheep of the house of Israel," I believe because some things they got right. I mean, they knew there was one God, they knew that He had standards of conduct, and they knew that behavior mattered. The other nations
1: he, did not have an illusion of compliance.
0: Yeah, they didn't. Well, they, 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 had, they a lot of things they did, well, yeah, true. I mean, they, a lot of things they, they, they didn't were, have right. But the Jews did have certain things relatively intact. It wasn't like mm-hmm. they messed up on everything, mm-hmm. and I mean they knew their history. They knew what God had done to bring them to the point where they at. They knew about God's victories. They knew about. They of misinter-
1: misunderstood it all, but yeah, they knew. But the they fact. had they some, some things. Of
0: the but yeah. they, the biggest thing was the illusion of compliance. Mm-hmm. Now, isn't that the kind of point of the prodigal son story? The son comes back. He didn't have, a, he had no illusion of compliance. Right, he yeah. knew he had messed up. The older son, he thought he was compliant. Yeah, yeah, I've done everything. Yeah. Isn't that the point of the parable of the prayer of the Pharisee and that the tax collector? Mm-hmm. Apparently, tax collectors were so bad they all knew they were a, they were in trouble. You know, the tax collector said, "Be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner." And it was the Pharisee that said, "Don't." I'm glad I'm not like him. The illusion of compliance. So now here's here's where it gets. I think. Just um, really brings it home, and that is this. Um, Oh, and let me tell you one other example. That's why I believe he had the story of the woman at the well. I believe Jesus was able to talk to her, minister to her, because she wasn't under a delusion, uh, an illusion of compliance. She knew she was. She made mistakes. No illusion. And I think that's why Jesus felt more. My comfortable is the word, but he seemed to gravitate towards hanging out with people that were sinners. He got he got criticized for that. Because most of them were not under an illusion of mm-hmm. compliance. I don't think the shepherds that first saw the announcement, heard the announcement of the of the birth of Jesus, were yeah. under an illusion of yeah. compliance. Shepherds okay. were not a real
1: um, so, respected yeah. theological group of folks. So,
0: so now, the problem today is this. There is an illusion of compliance, and the church perpetuates the illusion. Oh, for sure. So yeah. anytime you say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. So I'm saying, really? No kidding. In what way? Be specific. Tell me how you're a follower of Jesus. What do you do that would say you follow Jesus? All right, go ahead. Okay, I am going to,
1: what's the word? Du- not double. I'm going to... Um, double down what? Maybe double down on, okay. on your analogy. All right. That, and so I, I agree with all that. I, I think there's no. there's a twofold illusion Okay. There's even another illusion. All right, I think the illusion is that the first of all, the first illusion is that we're separated from God, and has to be something done in order to close that gap. And I think that's an illusion. That it's there. There's not a separation between us and God. That we're in God. I mean, and and, and there's more stuff on that, but we won't get into all that. But so the the there's a, this huge need that is an illusion. And then on top of that. Um, how you get there to to yeah, saw that? Did, need do you think without. the Jews
0: felt like they were separated from God? I think the Jews felt like they were in compliance. So they were, well, they were in God, they were fine. I, with God. I think,
1: but but, but I, I think they thought everybody else was separated from God, and I well, thought they, I thought, I think they thought that their works had or their compliance had had brought them near to yeah, God. I mean, I don't without think without they, that that, that right. they weren't.
0: Well, okay, left. so then okay, let's so see, let's let's assume that my um analysis is correct that this is that this illusion of compliance is a major problem jesus came to address that that explains the sermon on the mount because he says in verse, here, here's a few examples. Chapter 5, verse 20, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. So what Jesus does is wreck the illusion. you got to leave your gift on the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother. If you have lust, it's the same thing as adultery. Um, if you have problems with if your eyes cause you sin or your your hand, you need to cut off body parts. Um, if somebody asks for your tunic, you got to give me your coat. If somebody's asking, you know, Jeff, can I have your car? You know, well, you've to give me your car and your minivan, you know. Um, someone begs for you, do not refuse anybody who asks from you. Um, and then it all kind of culminates in um, uh, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And like you've pointed out before, at the end of the story, there's a great big crash. You build your house if, you, if you're not obedient to everything, you're like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand, the flood came, the rains fell, the floods come, the wind blows and beats against the house, and great was the fall of it. So that's basically what Jesus did, was made the thing crash down. Right. The, the idea, this illusion of compliance, because what happens, I believe, and the reason Jesus focused on the Jews is because of the, he wanted, first of all, for them to know, so very simply, they just need a Savior.
1: Yeah. If, you're, if you think you're compliant, compliance, about. you don't need a Savior. And where, where some of my thinking has changed last year or so, that it's not, and I, and, I, and I had something written down about that part where he says, I came to fulfill the law. I want to ask you about that here in a second, because it comes something new dawned on me with that. That I, I'd always took it as, yes, he was saying that you all cannot keep the law, but the good news, you know, and God needs you to keep the law. And God's not going to accept you if you don't keep the law. And so God's not going to accept you the way you are because you're not keeping the law. But I'm going to keep the law for you, and because I'm going to keep the law for you, then God will accept you. See, I think that's where I've missed it some. When, and part of that, my thinking there really hit me the other day in Romans 4, the righteousness, what it says, the righteousness from God that is what? By, Apart from, from law. yeah, law. yeah. Uh, Okay, hang on with me. Apart from law. It's not, we're not righteous. We're obviously not righteous because we kept the law. I don't think God considers us righteous because Jesus kept the law. The Righteousness is apart from the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when well, Adam I... and Eve sinned, he didn't reject them. He went looking for them. You know, so he was, and I think that's another example where we put so much of a legal framework around scripture that we think it's all about. So when we start evangelistic methods, can't remember if I mentioned this later in a podcast or not, you know, when you and I were taught how to evangelize, what are we taught? The first thing to tell someone God is holy, and you're a sinner. And, you're, and we yeah. and we immediately set it up in a legal framework in a yeah. courtroom and situation. A you're separation. guilty. You're right. guilty. Right. As opposed to, and then it's also you think about the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I mean, yeah. sacrificed before. Well, we the Second Corinthians. God that. is
0: not the message is that God is not holding exactly. our sins against us. Right. right.
1: And 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 right. the announcement to the shepherds. You know, good tidings. You know, right. with all this, and so I think the whole idea that that you know. And, I mean, it doesn't make sense either. You know, Jesus taught also in the Sermon on the Mount. We realize that's before the cross and all that, so I'm not saying it's a standard by which we attain something. But, you know, if someone does wrong to you, you forgive them. Or 1 Corinthians 13, the description of love, love keeps no what? Record of wrongs, yeah. And God is love. Okay, think about that, though. If God is love and love keeps no record of wrongs, God wasn't waiting for Jesus to come along to meet the law, so then he wouldn't hold our wrong. You know, he never did yeah. hold our wrongs against yeah. us because yeah. God is love. Yeah, so.
0: I, I think it's right, and I, I think, it, and that's a, a little bit of a side path for me now. But I, I do, I love the fact that it fascinates me more. It says God or love keeps no record of wrongs. So to really think about that, that, God really does not have a record. Yeah, yeah. he does not have a record of I me mean, because we have a record. It plays like a loop in our head, and it'll beat yeah. us up yeah. our know, past or, or what you think we think we've we've blown it. But God has no record. But here's what I'm getting at is not only did this illusion of compliance become a problem for the Jews, it became a problem uh, when Jesus came on the scene. Um, There's a lot of scripture, I think, that, that deals with this. And then the church has... Uh, foster this illusion, and that's why you don't hear a whole lot in most churches about the cross or or the fact that Jesus paid the full price, because we don't really need him to do that. If you're under an illusion of compliance, if you think you're doing pretty well, I'm a follower of Jesus, the cross doesn't, you don't really need the cross as much. Came it's across a, a quote. It's, I guess it's a big deal.
1: I don't know. Honestly, I don't know who said this. Well, that's a good quote. Uh, Religion seeks to resolve a conflict between God and humanity that does not even exist. But you need paying customers, mm-hmm. and so you create this huge conflict, and then how to resolve it. Let me can I ask you about the other thing. And yeah, go the ahead. Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Uh, let me get back. See if I can find this. The idea that um, you know that that verse where Jesus said. I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Yeah. I was reading the other day, and, and for something else I was looking at, was um, Galatians 13. Uh, let's see if I can find that. Yeah, Galatians five thirteen, And, you know, so Galatians, you know, about grace and all this. And then it says about loving one another, and in doing so, you what? Fulfill, fulfill the law. The law. And it struck me that when we love one another, we fulfill the law. So when Jesus said, I've come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, what law was he talking about? Was he talking about the 613? I always thought so, yeah. Yeah, I, I always thought so too, but I'm wondering that. I don't think that's the case now. So I mean, if someone would have slipped in a piece of bacon at the Last Supper, would that have destroyed the whole thing? You know, if he'd eaten a piece of bacon at the Last Supper, then all of a sudden he hasn't kept the, you know, I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> Look on your well, face. <laughs> I can tell you've not, you never thought about ponder that, did you? <laughs> First of all, you're saying, could somebody have tricked Jesus? You know, well, oh, yeah. I'm not sure, you know. <laughs> but I don't think he was thinking about rule keeping when he said, I came to fulfill the law. And I mean, you know, on this law, hang. you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. We realize that's part of the law. But I think well, I think he came to fulfill love in that. So I think when he said I came to fulfill the law, he wasn't thinking about all those six hundred and thirteen detailed rules and regulations. Right. Well, that maybe you that know, may And be. so Paul said, when you love one another, you fulfill the law. Yes. And so I think it, that's that's the law I have, that Jesus fulfilled.
0: I, I think I'm probably with you on that. Um, I had another friend posted a scripture that he, he said this. He said just so simple. And the scripture he posted where Jesus says, um, "Love one another as I have loved you." <laughs> Oh really? So that's yeah. that's easy, <laughs> well, really. Yeah. I said, okay, sure, that should be no problem. So love others the way Jesus loves us. Mm-hmm. Really, that's a that's a relatively high standard. See, but there again, that was before the cross, and, and obviously we are taught to love each other. And to care for each other, bear one another's burdens. I am not dismissing any of that, but the idea that we could there again I, can I be of this illusion of compliance? Yeah, I love people the way Jesus loves me, as much as He loves me. I love other people. I mean, give me a break. Illusion of compliance.
1: The I read the other day, so this fits into that. The um, you know that Jesus had different conversations with different people, and He didn't kind of give all of them the same challenge. But right, you know, we think right. about the rich young ruler, right? So He said, "Okay, you know, have you kept the law?" So the rich young ruler says, "Yes." I've kept them all. From my youth up, I've kept them all. And then what's Jesus say?
0: Yeah, well, what, what, first of all, that's another example okay, of what I'm saying, get, yeah. but go ahead. What is it? Okay. So
1: so, he's, so the rich young ruler thinks he's done Yeah, it. he he's says, it. yes, I've the kept all these from my youth. I've a, done it all. Okay. Yep. But then what's Jesus say to him? Well, one thing you lack, what? Well, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Where is give that? That's not, that's not one of the 613. But that's, it's kind of like he pulls something out, and he didn't tell other people to do that. True. Yeah. You sound right. like he he you know almost like you know he pulls, he just pulls another See, one out of okay. nowhere. That's a good example.
0: Live. See what well, the way we've interpreted that traditionally in church well Jesus did what his real idol. Was. Right. I know. Oh yeah. And yeah. so yeah. he also, you know, what's your real idol? What's the one thing you won't give up? That's not the point. <laughs> the point <laughs> is we're all we all live under this illusion. Yeah. Of yes, we're compliant. Yeah. You know, we need a savior. There's always something that we think this is too important to us. This shouldn't be that important.
1: And and I would say the savior is to to open our eyes. You know the the core sin is unbelief, and I, so I think the savior is to open our eyes to see who the Father really is. Yeah. And we're destroying ourselves when we think God is an angry. You know, one of these days I might do it sometime. I read I looked up the I looked up I googled characteristics of Zeus the other day. Yeah. I mean, you read those. It's a whole lot like what we have thought of God most yeah. of our lives. Okay. And I like think the, I think what's, the what's oh, okay? you know it's kind of a balance. Yeah. Yes, he's he's you know I he's loving, powerful, he's all powerful, yeah. all this, but you know, you don't want to yeah. go, you know, and yeah, it, and I think the average Christian average Christian's view of God is much closer to Zeus which comes from Greek mythology than it is to the Father that Jesus revealed. It could be. And all that. And, um, but that's, you know, that's a hard, and it's only the Holy Spirit that can open our eyes. I mean, the news is better than we think it is. And I mean, think about it. You know, Jesus said, call no man. I thought of this, or I just read this a day or two ago, Matthew 23. You know, Jesus says, call no man, no man on earth Father. You only have one Father, God in heaven, or something like that. That's a paraphrase. He said that to the multitudes. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say that to just a select group that was really committed. Mm-hmm. He tells the multitudes that don't call him, you have your father in heaven. And Ephesians 3, every family from whom, you know, every family on earth is named the father and all this. So I think Jesus came to to open our eyes from the illusion, that one, that, that God's mad at us, uh, and then the illusion that we can do something to appease him right. in that way.
0: So, I agree. Let me ask you that's another a question, put it another way. what is the simplest in one sentence? can you be the simplest takeaway from the story of the prodigal son okay i think i I, I would like to pr- uh, uh, yeah. posit this as a one what sentence happened? capsule
1: i mean it it's like I, I read one time some of the prodigal sons uh, that whole chapter or that section of that chapter is almost like a synopsis of the entire Bible yeah. and all that. So uh, and there's, there's an infinite amount of insight from there. So yeah, there ahead, is. And ahead. there is. There's
0: a lot of yeah. layers in that. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I think the pinnacle is, that, is one simple statement. God, who is, who is depicted as the father in the story, mm-hmm. cares more about relationship than he does about behavior. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. We think he's all about behavior. Yeah. And he's really way more about relationship he had relationship with that son even though the son's behavior was horrible the relationship is what mattered to the father absolutely with us the relationship is what matters to god not the behavior
1: i thought the other day i I put it at the end of a post i don't know if you remember or, or if you read all the way down to my post or not but the idea occurred to me that I don't read your post. You know, do
0: you have some long post? Oh, it wasn't that long. I mean, if you give me like oh, two definitely. or three sentences, I might make yeah. it to <laughs> well, the bottom. Well, it's in an a anyway, okay. three or four paragraphs. <laughs> yeah.
1: But at the end of it, it was along, a little bit along the lines of this, about righteousness being relational, you know, re- righteousness having to do with relationships, not a legal right. uh, obligation. But, you know, Jesus, you know, he gave us something to remember him by the Lord's what? Supper. Supper. Yeah. Now think about that. The Lord's Supper. Not the Lord's judicial bench. You know, we don't, yeah. we don't remember, we don't meet together to remember a legal verdict. We meet together yeah, to share a, a supper. Point. I mean, and so I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced when you think of righteousness. The Lord's
0: gavel could have been that, you know. Like yeah, that. that's
1: a good idea too. I like that. Um, so I mean, so we, we don't think, you know, rather than a legal framework, think of a, or th- rather than a courtroom, think of a kitchen. You know yeah. that we're with God, with the Father, with one another, around a kitchen table. Yeah, and not um, not in a courtroom, waiting for the gavel to come down. To even so it's it's not a matter of guilt or innocence. It's it's the relationship He already has
0: with us. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I like that. So I have to think about this more.
1: Along those lines, I'm still going to hear Colossians too. We've probably mentioned this before. That verse we like, you know, talks about the debt has been canceled. Mm-hmm. I like think it's interesting. Not paid. He didn't pay a debt. He doesn't need to be. You know, he forgives us without. You know, we're supposed to forgive others without them repaying us, and he's the same way. Mm-hmm. And the story in Matthew 18 of the man who was forgiven, the debt was actually canceled, mm-hmm. and so the debt. I think the debt was in her own mind to begin with, and it was canceled. So it doesn't need to be paid. You know, again, we're going back to legal type of things like that. And that's the freedom that comes from that. So I'll end with that.